This is Paul Nobles from Eat Reform, and I am once again here with Dr. Susan Kleiner. Susan, why don't you let everyone know how they can reach you? And then the topic of today is we're going to talk about yo-yo dieting and just how bad it is for you. Hey, Paul, it's great to be here. Uh, so you can find me at drskleiner.com at my website. I'm a high performance nutritionist. That's where you'll find information about my uh, business, uh, high performance nutrition. And uh, I'm on uh, social media at Power Eat. You can find my books, The New Power Eating, The Good Mood Diet uh, on my website and at all bookstores everywhere. And I'm Paul Nobles, founder of Eat Reform. If you're looking for coaching or just want to talk to a coach, see what a plan might look like for you, just go to www.eatreform.com and a coach will walk you through things. You can start with a free trial. You can start with a meal plan. You kind of have a lot of choices there. So so I wanted to talk about yo-yo dieting and and I, I always start with the concept of yo-yo dieting with one of the best things I ever heard about weight gain. And I can't remember who it was, but it was at, at a seminar and someone asked the person how they became obese. Right. And it was really a rude question. Right. But the person wasn't obese anymore. So she didn't take it poorly, but um, I was like, wow, that is a, that is a, kind of mean question. And then the person answered with the best answer possible. She's like, I dieted my way there. And if, and this is what we're going to walk through here, is the math of how that works, right? And why, you know, as you're moving through these deficit cycles where you're eating less, if you do not understand what you're doing, you have potential to do much more harm than good. It's really interesting to me that people will go out and buy a personal trainer or CrossFit, you know, might, might cost up to $300 a month. And then they'll just go to like some MyFitnessPal cal calculator, you know, no one types in, yes, I would like to lose weight very gradually. You know, they type in the most, you know, and, and, you know, what I hear when we get, so, so the way that Eat Reform works, just so everybody knows, is we don't typically get people on their first diet, right? We typically get people on their 15th diet, right? We're trying to fix all the problems that if we had talked to you first, you know, we wouldn't have to fix those problems, you know? Um, I will say we do get reached out a lot from teenagers, um, and, and people that are under 20, we just don't work with those populations. And the reason why we don't work with those populations is because just moving and, and, and kind of moving to a more nutrient dense way of eating, you know, I mean, it's, it, you know, I have teenage daughters, you know, they spend a lot of time at Taco Bell, you know, my daughters understand, you know, that they can have some energy density occasionally, but moving and being active, you know, really helps a lot in that regard. And, and so as you start to kind of accumulate fat along the way, 
you know, your body starts to get these messages of this is the level of energy consumption that you need, right? And um, Susan can talk about the specifics related to leptin and ghrelin and all these fun little gnomes and trolls that live in your brain. Um, but, but I used to make um, leptin jokes um, <laughs> that I thought were funny, but no one else did. So I stopped making them, but, but, um, you know, it was the idea that your fat would talk to your brain. Um, and, and that was the basis for all the jokes, but I thought what she said in that moment, that has resonated with me and every person that I've said it to since then. Right. Because we, as human beings left to our own devices, we want to get back to what we believe to be normal as quickly as possible, right? Forget the fact that mentally and chemically being underfed is starving your brain, changing chemical processes within your body, most of which aren't always positive, right? And then you start to, and, and when I'm speaking on yo-yo dieting, I'm not really speaking to, I gain 10 pounds or I gain 20 pounds. I'm talking about people that have dieted, right? The way that I was dieting, where I would lose 75 pounds and then gain back 95, right? Because I think there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to this that really need to hear this message, right? Because Part of the problem that I had at that point is I was using my logical brain, but it was very anti-scientific at that point. I wasn't, you know, I was really just trying to pull off the band-aid as soon as possible so I could get back to normal. And what, what happened in every single process of that was that as food started to come back, there was no mechanism in place for me to, you know, kind of control that piece. And this idea that you can, or that, that people like me were weak or, or, you know, did not have the mind control, you know, is, is very anti-scientific, right? And, and you'll, often hear people within health and fitness sort of sending out these messages within social media that I think are very unhelpful. You know, I wrote an article today talking about how diet culture should bother lean people too, right? And because right now the idea of diet culture um, being kind of toxic in a way, right? Which by the way, I agree with, I think Susan would probably agree with also, you know, is you, you're, you're getting these messages from fit people and, and lean people, right? And they're not being completely honest with you about what they do to be that lean, right? Whether it be, whether it be injecting something, whether it be restricting acutely, you know, all of the, the things that people will do right? To get more likes, more views, all this other type of stuff, right? And I think if you're sitting there, you know, in my last podcast, I used the example of a 5'2", 
250 pound female and this one I'm going to use 5'9", 310 male. If you're a 5'9", 310 pound male and you've dieted four or five times and you started at 250 and now you're 310, right? That's my story. That's exactly what happened to me, right? I started at 185. I just wanted to get to 175. By the time I got to 175, you know, within six months, I was on another diet, right? Because I wanted to pull off the Band-Aid too fast, right? And in that process of pulling off the Band-Aid too fast, I did not have the one tool that we know. Once again, I, I hate this idea that a diet is scientific. Diets inherently are unscientific, right? It's the part where you actually use the deficit, that's the scientific part. Scientific part is where your calories are normal, right? And so, so if you're listening to someone and they never tell you that, right? If you go, well, every time I read Paul's page, that's all he talks about. Yeah, that's why, because that's the normal place, right? And so, so we're going to walk you through Really quickly, this isn't, you know, we're, we're trying to do this one in a, like a 10 to 15 minute time frame. It, it's probably not going to blow you away, but I think there'll be some, some, some moments where you go, wow, I never really looked at it that way, you know? And for me, when I went to 175, I mean, I was playing softball and touch football and stuff like that, but, but I was not, you know, active per se, right? I would play softball. Um, and if I didn't get injured, I would play softball the next week, you know, and in between that, I kind of ate whatever I wanted. I could get away with that for a long time until I couldn't, you know, I wasn't lean. I wasn't, you know, over fat, but I just, you know, it had started to get to a point around 30 where I needed to start managing things a little bit more. And in that process, what essentially happened was I started kind of taking away from my basal metabolic rate along the way. And every single time it would get more and more extreme, it came back, right? Much more extreme, you know? And, and even to the point where, I think this happens a lot. Like if you're into any kind of intermittent fasting or, or, or low carb, I'll tell you what happened to me when I lost 75 pounds, right? And this, there's a picture, you know, I talk about it a lot on this podcast, but there's a picture of the three, right? And, uh, you know, I'm not proud of it necessarily, but I could avoid pictures once I started to um, kind of get to a place where I was uncomfortable I want you to hear uncomfortable and not unhappy, right? I think tying happiness to how you look, I think you, you need to be real careful there because I think you can open yourself up to a lot of dysfunction. But I was avoiding pictures um, at that point. I, I you know, but it, for people that don't know, you know, I played poker uh, on a real high level. And this was right at the advent of television, um, poker being on television. And I was on television um, quite a bit. And 
when I first started seeing myself on television, I was like, oh my God, it's that bad, you know? And 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 I knew I, I needed to do something to it. And I was probably one of the top 500 poker players in the world, right? And if you're one of the top 500 poker players in the world, you don't have to go into your pocket um, to play poker tournaments. People will stake you, things of this nature. I never did that because I wanted the big payoff um, if that ever happened. And I had moments where that happened, but um, I didn't necessarily need um, people to, to step in. But when I lost the 75 pounds, I was doing it mostly low carb at that point. Um, I wasn't sleeping. I was sleeping four to five hours a day. Um, I, I looked, I had loose skin everywhere. You know, it was, it was, it was really bad. Um, I could hide it fairly well, you know, um, but I think it was the 2007 World Series where, you know, on anybody's list, I'm one of the best in the world and I couldn't play, you know, and, and this happened to me multiple times on the World Poker Tour and the World Series of Poker Circuit events where I just couldn't play, you know, and it, I, I had lost the weight. I couldn't sleep. I was taking like this absurd amount of melatonin just to get any reasonable amount of sleep. And that was sort of shortening my sleep cycle. So I would, I would fall deeply to sleep and then wake up four hours later being tired. It was really overly nappy. Um, some of the dosing of melatonin, once again, I was just being a moron about it. I didn't, I didn't go to the internet. I just went and said, highest amount. Sounds good. I'm not sleeping. And I took that. Well, that was really more jet lag, recovering from jet lag type of stuff. So when I hear people are taking like five milligrams and 10 milligrams, you know, that's not meant for just correcting a sleep cycle, right? That's meant for like jet lag to where you're kind of drastically using things. You know, I didn't even realize that like, you, you know, for that, you would want to do like a half or one milligram, I believe it is, um, where that's would be more helpful. And then eventually you want to kind of wean yourself off of that stuff. And I know Susan's anxious to talk, but I'm about to be to finish this up. So I lost the 75 pounds, got back to that 175 number that was so magical to me so many times. Um, and, uh, Went to Hawaii with my family. You know, it was a big sacrifice for my family um, for me to be traveling the world playing poker. And so um, I went to Hawaii. Uh, I, I was actually active. You know, I felt active. And I, I just started eating regular amounts of normal. Nothing bad, you know. Um, but I had pancakes. I had, you know, things that I enjoyed. Certainly nothing in the way of extreme calories right well what happened when I came back well first of all I started sleeping and that was a miracle you know um and I knew right then and there that I would never ever go back to what I just did right because it hurt it was it was painful you know on a lot of levels on a psychological level on a on a physical level um it just was not not healthy, but, you know, I was in that mode of, you know, I got to get it all off as soon as possible. Um, 
and and I didn't do it in the best ways possible. You know, does that mean that you can't do low carb? You know, you can, but 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 I think I think what happens for most people, if you knew you could get the same result low carb as you could with a balanced way of eating, I think almost everybody chooses a balanced way of eating, right? The people that choose the low carb, and I'll speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for any of you, but if it resonates with you, that would be great. I needed to be punished. I was a bad guy because I was eating bad foods and things of this nature. And it was almost like the most acute way of punishing myself so I could get to like the most acute result, right? And so it became like this challenge of would I be mentally stronger and things of this nature. And it was destructive in, in a lot of ways. Like I said, the sleep, just, just the lack of sleep affects your, your chemicals in your brain so much that, that I would never encourage anybody to do it. Like I said, you want to do low carb, you want to do it in a healthy way. Hopefully you can figure that way out. For me, knowing that a balanced way can produce the exact same result in roughly the same time, you know, it seems like a no brainer right? Where you wouldn't have to sacrifice brain chemistry and, and things of this nature. So after Hawaii, I come back, I weigh myself, I'm 10 pounds up and I know there's no way I'm going to go back to the hell that I just went through. And I gained it all back with interest. And so the picture that you see um, in that three shot where I'm 250 pounds, that was only six to nine months after I was 175, right? Um, and, and so, you know, if that sounds brutal, you know, it is. And, and the reason why is because your body's just not ready, really, like in the case of, of low carb, like if you had said to me, if Susan said, Hey, Paul, you know, your cells just rehydrated, right? You're probably as lean or close to as lean just because, you know, the salt from the bacon or, or the, the carbohydrates from the pancakes, all that did was rehydrate you, right? And you were probably just dehydrated and now you're rehydrated. You know, maybe you gain a little bit of fat in that process, but it wasn't a total setback, right? And, and I had just gone so long, you know, and, and, you know, in that process. Now I will tell you this, I've said this many times, that process taught me how eat to perform worked, right? Because at the end of that process, what I was doing was that I was having more refeed days than I was low calorie days, right? And that started to make me, that was like a ding, ding, ding moment. I hadn't completely figured everything out. I hadn't run it by PhDs. I hadn't done all these different things like like what ultimately eat to perform became but i can tell you that you know when you're putting your body in these extreme cycles right which you know if you've ever lost 70 over 50 pounds you probably have done you have to understand that your body's not going to want to stay there right and so I know that went long and Susan's just chomping at the bit to talk about this. But um, 
why don't why don't you take over, Susan? So I think that the 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 big message that you're that you you've sort of inadvertently sprinkled in there is that we need to pay attention to how we feel. And so if you're miserable, there's something wrong. Miserable is not where we want to be. Neither is our body giving us messages that we're doing the right thing. And so when you refed yourself in Hawaii and miraculously could sleep, that was the strongest signal that you're doing something better. And so the, the idea then is how can we, first of all, learn what feeling good is. And some people have gone so long without feeling really good that they no longer remember what that feels like. And feeling bad is what is normal. And well, so, and you you see that when you talk to them, right? They'll yes. tell you, "I feel disgusting. I feel unhappy." You know, all this other type of stuff and misery. You know, once again, we talked about this on the last podcast. Some of this is self inflicted, right? And and I, and I hope that you take that in the way that it's it's presented. But if you start to kind of chase like what Susan's talking about, where you start to realize these things are making me feel better, then Try to go in that path and try to manage it. And I'll talk about it once Susan's done. So, so the, the, and, and at the same time that people are saying, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. When you say, what, if you just ask, how are you feeling? The answer will typically be fine. I'm fine. Well, why are you here? well, this is wrong and this is wrong. So there's this dissonance between accepting that, that, they're, that all, feeling crappy is just sort of going to be the way it has to be to look the way you wanna look versus having an expectation that you should be able to feel okay and really feel okay, really feel good, really do your best. And so in the middle of that is then you refed yourself. Had there been a recognition, as you said, that the weight on the scale was not a reflection of what was going on in your body in reality, that, that then sort of marrying that with the concept of of being able to burn the most calories rather than the least calories that you can, then the concept that Eat to Perform has of, we want you eating the most that you can eat in order to, whether it's, it's in a diet phase of losing calories or maintaining calories, being at the top of the calorie intake is what protects you from going through the yo-yo dieting, because you've never, you've never bottomed out your calorie intake so low that your body must respond by lowering your, your sort of daily energy expenditure for your foundational needs, your basal metabolic rate, which is the most, the largest proportion of the calories that you burn all day long. And so, so 
is there a window, which I refer to Dr. Dan Benardot's research and I use regularly, um, that is what I, he calls a, this metabolic window where we can fake out the brain, where we can lower, you go to your top of your calorie need every day and then just decrease it the slightest amount. It doesn't take a lot to actually lose weight slowly and then be able to maintain that without affecting your basal metabolic rate. And so his story is his research showed gymnasts who, you know, one group ate 300 calories fewer than their exact needs during the day. And I would bet their exact needs were still under fueled and we still weren't getting a true view of how many calories they could have burned. But that's a little aside on that research. Um, the, the group of, of they, were, they were junior USA gymnastics. So these were elite athletes. The group that ate 300 calories fewer than their, um, their measured caloric need each day lost more weight and more total fat than the group that ate 500 fewer calories every day. And that is the biggest testament to keeping your calories higher to lose at least equal amounts of weight, if not more over time, and then be able to maintain that, be able to go perhaps back up to where you started because now you've been able to maybe elevate your daily need over time. And so, so that's the key of what you're talking about because you, you will feel better. You, you're going to feel like crap when you're way too few calories because nothing is functioning optimally in your body. And that's exactly the story that you're telling. And this is the way I find, and I think you're doing with Eat to Perform as well, that we can help guide people so that they don't yo-yo in these extremes. And yes, as you said, there will always be fluctuations. There will be monthly, daily, there will be all kinds of little fluctuations. Those have to be acceptable. You, you, your body is not, as I said, this static machine. It will go up and down a little bit, but you will, you will never have to go back to these huge extremes. Well, and every eat performer knows what you just described, right? Because what we do is we tear people down, right? Where they have up to four tiers as they're going into the deficit, because obviously the body adjusts and then you have to sort of adjust as you go. But when I talked about the, the going from what was probably 215 um, to once, maybe it was a little bit higher um, to 175, that was like a six month cycle, right? And six months, you know, is just too long. You know, your body adjusts to it too easily. And then of course, you know that you have to kind of do more extreme, right? And that's, that ultimately, you know, kind of makes things worse and worse and worse. And so, you know, it's not a difficult concept to go through, but, you know, part of, part of what helped me was just being in that moment of, of you know, I, I remember sitting there at 250 pounds going, I, I'm too smart to be this unhealthy, right? And uh, 
I mean, you know, you're going through the world, you're sifting through data. And that's what I did was I took the data and, and, you know, ironically, I had thought of it, like you said, but when I started becoming too miserable, you know, I sought a different path, right? And, and the, the path, you know, I think it's Lee Peel that talks about the, um, shoot, I can't remember what she said, but, but you can't love yourself or you can't hate yourself skinny or something. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I think love takes you much farther. Right. And, and, and the more you chase misery, the, the worse off you'll be. Does that mean that you're not going to be uncomfortable in a deficit? No. You know, but should you be constantly for months at a time, you know, and, and if you're struggling with mental health, at least consider that it might be food related, right? Because what happens when you diet extremely, and this is, we're going to go over this actually in the next podcast also, so be on the lookout for that. But, you know, like I said, I was, I was too smart to be that unhealthy. So I took the data and that's how the, the cycles went from six months to, to three months that we use with each perform. And there's some really good scientific data that backs up kind of those shorter, more acute cycles as your body is sort of adjusting as you go. But, but it's like, like Susan said, you're really starting from that top. And in that top, you really want to build kind of that metabolic capacity. And part of metabolism is the process of feeding the amount of cells that are within your body, right? And so if you can use those cycles, the biggest point with dieting that, that I've learned and that we teach is that, and, and people get tired of me saying this, but, but you don't get better at dieting by more dieting. That, that makes no sense, right? You get better at dieting by not dieting. Right. And so the longer you can go where your metabolism is thriving and your calories are higher, you're going to get a much better result. And so what happens when your calories really low, right? And all of a sudden you hit that weight goal, you know, for me it was 175. And now all of a sudden, what are you going to do? You're going to celebrate. You're going to have a feast. The problem is your body's not ready for a feast. Your body's not even ready for regular calories at that point, right? This is going to be the topic of the next podcast. So I'm not going to really walk you through that. But what you have to understand is that eventually your calories need to get back to normal. And at that point, now we can start to bring in more regular foods or foods that you enjoy and things of that nature. So hopefully this helps, but, but I think the big thing with, with kind of the yo-yo dieting is that like in my case with the, you know, 175, go to Hawaii, come back, you know, 183, the wheels came off. Right. And, and I didn't want to look at the scale anymore. I knew that the other way I didn't want to do that anymore, you know, and so I felt lost, but I, but I felt much more comfortable. My brain felt better with food. My sleeping felt better. So it was just the particulars that I needed to figure out. And I figured that out with data that all of you benefit from now, right? So we're going to end on that note because we've got another really quick one that we're going to run through. 
And then I uh, appreciate everybody being here. And Susan, stick with me. <laughs>